census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Welcome, everyone, to episode 312 of the Throwdown Thursday podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Rahal, but you can call me Patsy the Angry Nerd, and we are here in the Pat Cave of Magenta Manor, bringing you the show presented by Deadly Grounds Coffee and a part of the Dorkening Podcast Network. And of course, I am not here by myself. I am joined by my co-host on the show, my co-host in life. She is the Baroness of Bordeaux, the Countess of Cabernet, the Mistress of Merlot, the Queen Regent of Rosé, the Princess of Prosecco. She is the Michael Phelps of wine. She is the real housewife of Transylvania, the Queen of the Monsters, and an honorary Lizzie, ladies and gentlemen, Ashes of a Nightmare. And her microphone is on this time. Yes. Well, at least it wasn't <laughs> I'm 45. I'm a professional. Hey, at least it wasn't 45 <laughs> minutes of recording without hitting the record button. Oh my, I cannot, I can't believe that happened. So like the last Ooh. couple of weeks, we've been under the weather. We've been extremely tired. We've been stressed Home out. Homegirl has not had a good night's sleep in months and at I this point. And I apparently slept. T- I don't, you know what? I woke up this morning and my right eye was all swollen and sore. And I was like, man, it feels like I got punched in the face. And that's probably what it was. Like, the reason why I didn't wake up is because you knocked me unconscious. I had a fun cushion. No, like, I woke up and I'm like, oh my God, I feel like. Because we, we have a, a full-size bed, so sometimes it gets a little tight, and we both toss and turn a lot in our sleep, so I think I've I took been, an elbow. I've been very thrashy I lately. think I took an elbow to the side of the face, like which is entire. Like, I've accidentally hit you a couple of times and woken uh, there, you up. W- there was one time in particular that sticks out. Like, a few years ago. When you punched me in the head, I woke me up. I think it was a up. backhand. Woke me up out of a sound sleep. I was just like, oh my, like I thought I was being attacked. Because I also flip um, my pillows a lot. You you <clears> just like hauled out like full it fist. It wasn't full. I think you got the back of my hand. But it was enough. I was, I was I very, I was very startled. Very startled. I woke up um, and I was like, "Why are you headbutting my hand? I'm trying to sleep." <laughs> no, but but it, but it hurt and it was it was very it was jarring. Like I was not expecting oh, that. Yeah, obviously. when you get punched. In the face <laughs> no, but it's funny because I asked you when you know when you woke up. <clears throat> excuse me. I asked you. I was like, "How did you sleep?" And you were like, "Oh, I had I had this weird dream, like a, a, a nightmare, even where zombies were attacking, and I was I was trying to get away, fighting hand to hand combat." And I was like, "Yeah, I know." I was protecting you <laughs> oh, yeah. in my dream, while real me was being assaulted. <laughs> if anything, you owe me an apology for getting caught by zombies. The cat? No, it's like that that thing where like you know, it's like the, you know the guys complain. You know, 
It's like, I don't know why my, my girl's mad at me. It's like, oh, because you did something in a dream and you haven't apologized for it well, yet. Well, that's why you're not allowed to go to Australia. Yes. Uh, we act- I actually spoke with one of our coworkers today about that, about how I'm not allowed to go to Australia. I once had a agreed. nightmare that Patrick, for some reason, was in Australia. Now, this was before his film career. I was putting so, another shrimp on like, the Barbie. <laughs> so, like, now it kind of makes sense. Like, there, there is potential where he could find himself in Australia, but he's never going to Australia. One of our, one of our friends that I work with on films just went to Australia, and I was like, hey, if you need an assistant, an assistant, an assistant, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even do that intentionally. If you need an assistant, I'll be willing to travel internationally with you. And like, you know, obviously not back to Australia, but you get it. But yeah, so I don't recall the exact logistics of the dream, what happened. But long story short, Patrick was in Australia and he died. And I had to go to Australia to identify the body. And I love planes, which means I would absolutely love, just love, biggest thrill of my life, a 24 hour (laughs) flight. Back in time, because you have to go back over the, and it's like (laughs) lost. Yeah, yeah. So I, I remember waking up that next day and being like, you can never go to Australia. And I was like, I didn't plan on it. They have giant spiders there. So I think that's why you died. Giant spiders ate me. Something like that. I don't Ooh. know. But they also have really good great white like shark diving experience. Although I can do that in Mexico or Chatham. South Africa or Chatham. Like that's like a couple hours. I mean, away. Like, I don't know if you know this, but uh, that was going to be shark season. It's 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 getting there. I was going to, that was going to be my next question. Like, you know, would you guys ever, you know, for the uh, boulets, because they do like these crazy elimination challenges. It's like, would you ever do like, have someone do shark cage diving in full makeup? Yeah, there's no, there's no, in the last week, in the last month, no sharks. You got to give it like another month or so for the sharks to start coming up. All the tag sharks. I, um... If you're interested and you, you're from Massachusetts and you ever travel to any of the bodies of water or you're just curious, uh, there is the Sharktivity app put out by the White Sh- the Atlantic White Shark Conservancy uh, with all their tagged sharks. And you can see uh, where the tagged sharks are or... <clears throat> You know, any human sightings, any buoy sightings of the, the tag yeah, shark. Yeah, buoy. D- drive. Yeah, they swim by a buoy. <laughs> It'll set that off, and, like, you kind of – it pings the tracker. So you, And it takes Ping. a picture. So you get the picture of the different sharks, and it's kind of cool. Some I like of it. them look so happy. Well, they're very adorable, and they like to uh, they like to swim. And Sometimes they pose for the picture. You can be their chum. So <clears> – but part of uh, – Part of the reason why we had to restart this episode, uh, in it, besides your microphone being off, was, you know, you can kind of hear in my voice that, like, I'm... I was fine last time, but You're this You're a little week, horse. <clears throat> yes. Uh, little Sebastian. I'm, I'm like a pony bye, because I'm a little horse. Bye, little Sebastian. Then we saw that Jurassic Parks and Recreation... Uh, yes. Crossover AI art <laughs> earlier today, and I said, "Lil Velocibastian." <laughs> um, but we went to the drag show, and it was fucking amazing. 
and we recorded with our good friend Jimmy Lambs for his secret project, which will be coming out in a couple of weeks. I, side note, am so incredibly excited for this to come out. I was trying to do a specific voice, and I couldn't quite, because there was a, a specific type of character, and I tried, I ran through, and I was like, nope, this isn't good, so I kind of like... Uh, stressed out my vocal cords so I could get to the the character voice, and it was so Which much is better. Exactly what someone who is recovering from weeks of vocal fatigue should do. Yeah, two weeks of vocal cord fatigue with no voice. I should definitely like wear on my vocal cords, and and especially after on Sunday the yelling and the screaming because we were super close to the stage. We were less than 10 feet from the stage. And then, on top of it, Drac and Swan decided to come out and mingle in the crowd, which was awesome. But we had already done a meet and greet, so we already uh, we already chatted. I mean, it, was, it was old hat at that point. Um, it's like, oh, these two again, huh? Hmm. Yeah, so we got to do we got to do the live podcast, which was just f- fantastic. And again, it's it's so cool to be able to have the opportunity to see people in their element do their thing, and you know the Dragula show, all this other stuff that they do is fantastic, and it's like of my favorite things that are out there, entertainment wise. Period. But there's something about the podcast. So Drac and Swan have a... Drac Morta and Swan Thula. The Boulay brothers have a history of being club promoters, being hosts, doing all of these crazy parties and and whatnot. The, the, the club life out in... Uh, LA, you know, um, years, decades of experience doing that. So seeing them do this podcast, they're really in their element, you know, hosting and just kind of riffing off of each other, the back and forth. It's just so unbelievably delightful to witness because their podcast is my favorite podcast that's out there. Um, You know, it's just, it's so entertaining. The chemistry is just, it's there. And I mean, which makes sense because like Patsy and I, uh, Drac and Swan are are life partners. I'm totally getting a Junior Mints movie club enamel (laughs) pin. I am a member of the Junior Mints movie club. Um, I'm I'm getting the fanny pack or the the cunt pouch, if you will. (laughs) Anyways, yeah, if you are not listening to the Belay Brothers Creatures of the Night podcast, uh, do yourself a favor if you are a fan of drag, if you are a fan of horror, because they do a lot of horror movie reviews and television show reviews. Um, if you are a fan of fun, because they do that, they have a lot of fun. They bring in their their co-host and their producer, Miss Ian DeVogler, who is just so unbelievably adorable and delightful. Ian was the first, but not the last, to compliment the shirt I was wearing. So I had really, like, you have wild outfits that you can wear, because you have a lot more accessories than I do, and you have hair that you can do stuff with that I am not able to do. I, I offered to get you a wig. We can get wiggy with it. Yes. Get wiggy with it. I was, I had an outfit planned out. I, last year, I had bought a pair of Puma sneakers. They were the, they're basketball shoes, but they were Dunkin' Donuts 
themed. So like, I'll post a picture in the group. The aglets have sprinkles. The aglets have sprinkles. Like the back, uh, the heel has like a half basketball, half a donut like logo thing. It's amazing. They're bright orange and white and pink, and I don't own white shoes because I will just ruin them. And somehow from walking from our apartment to the car, I managed to get them smudged up. Also, quick shout out to Phineas and Ferb, because they are the ones who taught me what an aglet is. That's a little plastic piece at the end of your uh, shoelace. They did a whole like rock song and like became an international sensation singing about aglets. But... I digress. Um, so I have these like super, like ultra mega comfy shorts that are like essentially shants because they go down half my shin. <laughs> well, shorts pants, so they're shants. As in, I shan't wear these in public because. But then, for Christmas last year, it didn't arrive in time. But for Christmas last year. <laughs> for Christmas last year, uh, my sister-in-law purchased for me, uh, Ash's sister, a shirt that says Shark Slut, and it's a shark in high heels and fishnets, like, twerking, and it says Shark Slut in, like, fun, like, bubble letters, and I was like, that's what I'm wearing. If this episode is not titled Shants and Shark Sluts, I'm going to be so disappointed. I shan't be a shark slut. Uh, hold on, let me write that down. Uh, shants. Sea shanties. <laughs> Wear them to the beach and call them my sea shanties. Oh, God. Um, but on Saturday, we had gotten to go to the Mass Independent Film Festival where the film that we were in uh, and that I worked on, the first thing I ever worked on with Mike Neal, uh, Cellophaeus showed and some of our friends were there and we had some presents for them and they had some presents for us so we swapped out and uh, Powerful Brandon got me this really cool shark shirt from uh, Roosevelt's and I was like ooh this is super cool so I ended up wearing that over the, the shark slut shirt but I unbuttoned it so and Ian was like ooh shark slut like loved it and then when we had the, uh, so we left the meet and greet, went out and got in line again. So they had the 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 Boulay meet and greet, and then they had the Titans meet and greet. So the four Titans from Titans uh, that were on this leg of the tour. Uh, so it was Coco Kane, Hoso Teratoma, uh, Victoria Elizabeth Black, and Melissa B. Fierce. Um, and Hoso loved my shark slut shirt loved it and so i was very happy that i chose to wear that so i had wore my i had worn my my dunkin donut shoes that i had almost a year that was the first time i wore them it was the first time i wore my shark slut shirt that i just got the weekend i was sick the day before my birthday i i ended up uh getting it because you went out with your sister for her birthday because her birthday is a week before mine and a few other people who had birthdays right around the same time um you know, so you went out with all them, <clears throat> and you came home with the shark slut shirt, and I was very excited. I was like, "This is what I'm wearing to the boules." Please describe your outfit for those who aren't going to see it in the group. Um. So 
we were supposed to go see the Boulets on Halloween this past October. Obviously, that didn't happen. Uh, so I decided that I was going to wear the costume that I had purchased for that, which is uh, very Gem and the Holograms inspired. Kind of, uh, if it's almost like Gem and the Holograms meets uh, Xenon Girl of the 21st Century. And if you understand that reference, I love you so much. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was obviously my my, my hair is in my hair. Um, I have these pink bedazzled knee high boots that are just fabulous. I was wearing a pink ombre sequined dress. This coat that uh, it's how many 12 and a half 12, muppets 12 had to die to make this coat it's just it's such a great this five great, little ones or six or, or, or six we, little we established ones or five. it's it's the yip yip guys yeah it looks like the yip yip guys uh but just this fabulous oversized pink coat i was just all pink pink jewels on my face pink makeup pink lips um you know and a, and a silver handbag because you know it just didn't want to go too overboard with the pink uh but it was fabulous i i was really feeling my oats that night i i was really in love with my outfit i wish my makeup had come out a little bit better um the stuff that I used was not as pigmented as I thought. And if you do makeup, you know exactly what I'm talking about because it's just, it's something that happened. I should have put pro uh, a stronger primer underneath my makeup. One of those situations where I, I, I really haven't had an opportunity to do like crazy makeup since the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, so a lot of my makeup has gone bad a lot of it has dried out so I'm going through and I'm like oh I'm gonna do drag makeup and it's gonna be great and I realized that a lot of my stuff that I was gonna use to create this look had dried out which is a really sad day so I have to you know go through the process of repurchasing things but whatever um but anyways I was able to pull a look together and it was fantastic and like I said I was just I was I was really feeling myself that night and uh I like to think that my look was on par with some of the queens that we saw yeah I would say so I would say that you know the between the makeup, the shoes, the, the. I am surprised that we. I mean, we so we saw a couple of other people in drag attending, but I was surprised that more people weren't done up, decked out. There were a lot of people that were like, you know, jeans and a t-shirt. I mean, not that I was like overly dressed, but like. I was wearing stuff. Of course, no one there had any way of knowing this, but like I've been saving these pieces of my uh, wardrobe for a special occasion. I would have worn my, uh, had we gone to Chicago last October, I would have worn my Dunkin' Donuts shoes then. And I have my nice, fancy Darth Vader cloak, but I only wear that for special occasions. I will say this. Um, fashion is not Patsy's strong suit. Uh, and and he did look good. He actually looked really put together. The colors were matching. Everything was kind of on point. I was really impressed because usually he just looks like the laundry threw up on him, and he's like, "Hey, at least I'm dressed." Yeah, it, my I describe uh, your reaction to my fashion sense as 
you tried. That's generally the uh, the vibe that I get. So before we talk more about this drag show and and some of the uh, the uh, performers that we saw, we decided we wanted to talk because we've talked about the Boulets before. We've talked about RuPaul's Drag Race. We've talked about various drag queens on the show. But we wanted to talk this week about what are they uh, referred to as? So they are Dragula Super Monsters. Super Monsters. So Dragula is a a contest show looking for America, or I should say the world's next, because it's not just America. You can come from anywhere. The world's next, next drag super monster. I describe the show to people, if you are familiar with RuPaul's Drag Race, kind of combine that with Fear Factor. Uh, yeah, so I mean that Especially is that the is very, eliminations. Well, they're not just uh, eliminations; they are exterminations. Exterminations. That's what because it was. I you keep don't just get e-word. eliminated; you die. Yeah, they kill you, like literally, like. And in order to do the Titan season, which was the most recent season, which is why they were touring and promoting it and stuff, um, it's their first. All Stars season. So, because all of these contestants had been killed, Drac and Swan had to go below. They had to go into the other wor- underworld and uh, resurrect the souls of these monsters so they could compete once again. Because I mean, it's such a cool concept. I mean, like the, I love it. The four we saw last year it was the Saint Dali, Sigourney Beaver. And Hoso Teratoma, who, if you were paying attention, Hoso was on this one as well. Hoso is so, one of my favorites because... Side note, last year was the season four yes, tour. And this is Titans. Right. Uh, Hoso has a very distinctive... It's almost like kabuki drag. Like say, the makeup style so, is very, very... Uh, discernible, and she kind of stands out from everybody else. Hoso is Korean. She is from Korea, mm-hmm. and that is really present. Like the cultural presence is yes. uh, very visible in their drag, and a lot of anime inspiration. Yeah, a lot of Korean, Japanese horror yep. inspiration. Um, <clears throat> really cool. Very unique. One of my, the most wild thing that happened at this. So this was assigned seating. So like you pay for your tickets and like you get assigned a specific spot. So last year when we were in line waiting, we made friends with someone and we got to our seats. We were doing our thing and we're like, oh, have you seen them? And I was like, no, haven't seen them. And we were talking to our friend Kex who is like right leaning on the stage. That's how close he was. And he's like, oh, you know, did that, you know, because uh, I don't know if he remembered, but he's like, oh, have you seen that, that kid from last year, uh, Kane? And I was like, no, I haven't, haven't seen them yet. And who comes and sits down right next to us because their seats are us. Their assigned seats are right next to ours is Kane and his guest. Like uh, uh, their guest. I'm sorry. Like, phenomenal. Couldn't believe it. I was like, what are the fucking odds? They were sold out, sold out Wilbur Theater in Boston. And here comes 
like the one person that we met the year before. It was awesome. So we had great conversations. We actually ran into another friend of ours uh, from the podcasting network, uh, Mandy from uh, That Strange Show, who is sitting up in the second, uh, the second, uh, the balcony area. Kato Scara was there uh, with Mandy, whom we hadn't like. I think we'd met or seen at at shows before, uh, uh, conventions and whatnot. It was. It was just so wild, like seeing all these folks there. Well, no, and we made friends too. Like, oh yeah, all the folks sitting the next to us. This, oh, it is such a vibe. It is such a like the energy was just so contagious. Uh, such a positive atmosphere. Everyone was so on point, and you could tell that the performers were really feeding off of it too, and thus, like their performances were even better, and we were feeding off of their performances, which was you know creating more energy from the audience. We were kind of feeding each other, and it was just so great. Um, but it was just uh, it was electric. It was so and so unbelievably positive and welcoming, and such a such a safe space to be yourself and be queer. <laughs> and just express yourself any way you see fit. Um, you know, they, they really pride themselves, the Blaze do, on uh, being one for the the weirdos and the, the misfits. And, you know, it's just, it's such a great place where you can find, and you can find some place where you can just be and be your true authentic self and feel comfortable like those places are one in a million for some people. Um, and it's been a while since I myself had been in one of those places where I've just been able to just kind of let it let go, just completely let go and let loose and, you know, be crazy and ostentatious and just... You know, uh, unapologetically myself, and I know other people were, were living their best life that night, too. And that is why it is so important that we protect these queer, safe spaces. Yes, uh, and we talked a little bit about that at the show. And that is why it is so important that we protect the rights of these drag performers, these queer individuals, and these trans people who have a right to be here and be their true authentic selves. Right. Drag is not a crime. <clears throat> and all of these bills being passed, it's a slippery slope because it encompasses so many other things that people don't realize. Well, one of the uh, lawmakers recently uh, put in, I forget where it was, Tennessee, Kentucky, somewhere in there. Uh, it might have even been Wisconsin. Put in a, 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 a provision in a bill that doesn't say drag shows specifically, <laughs> but anything that's like, Suge sexually suggestive. They're using the term wait, 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 adult wait, wait, wait. Hold cabaret. On, hold, on, act. hold on, hold on. No, not in this. In that, not in this uh, specific situation. But the guy who wrote the bill, his wife runs his fundraising campaign by doing a burlesque show that has children. 
like children in the audience. It's not like you made it sound like there were children no, no, no. in the burlesque show, and I was like, like I mean, that's very Republican no, of them. There's but... no age limit at the shows, so it's like everything that they're trying to ban is already something that's like not legal to begin with. Like, not to get off on a tangent, like, we're going to ban CRT in our schools. Great. No one teaches CRT in schools. It's for, like, advanced law students in college at one specific university. It's not being taught to your children in fifth grade. Don't fucking worry about it. That's like, it's like saying, well, I'm going to outlaw fourth trimester abortions. There's no such thing. Because there's only three trimesters. Like, you're, you're getting worked up over a thing that doesn't exist and isn't an issue, but it has the buzzwords that people know. It's like, well, we're going to, you know, we're going to stop, you know, gophers from having access to C4 to dig their I holes. I mean, just like the people who are all up in arms over... Dylan Mulvaney being a spokesperson for no, Budweiser. No. Bud Light, excuse me. Dylan Mulvaney was not a spokesperson. They sent a can to Dylan Mulvaney. Well, it's because of the rainbow. So like No, the, this this the can was just a picture of Dylan Mulvaney on it. Like, oh, you drink Bud Light and you're an influencer, we're gonna send you a can with your picture on it. That's what people freaked out about. Then they put out the cans with the rainbows, and then Coors Light did their thing, and then they came out with a, was it, ultra-right beer, which is still made by Anheuser-Busch? Right, Anheuser-Busch, who donates millions of dollars to right-wing campaigns every year, so what does it even matter? But, but, but anyways, the point I am trying to make here is that there's a lot of stuff going on, a lot of people trying to prevent others from being who they are, being their authentic selves, living their best life, you know, uh, someone who is queer, someone who does drag, someone who is trans, that is that is them. That has nothing to do with me or to anybody else. They're not harming. They have every right to exist. Their existence is not harming anybody else. Right. And that's and that's the thing that these people don't understand is that this doesn't affect you. It's like you're against gay marriage. Great. Don't get gay married. Like that's pretty much like it's what someone else well, does doesn't exactly. affect you. I'm not a Christian. I think Christianity is a bunch of gobbledygook. That's just me. I, I practice my own shenanigans, you know, um, but I'm not going to say anything about you believing in that because that's what you believe in and you have every right to believe in it. Right. And it's not, well, you have to respect everybody's opinions and respect everybody's beliefs. No, you have to respect everyone's right. To I mean, believe I, what I they believe want. in toleration. To a certain extent. There are some things I will not tolerate, but, you know, I, I, I believe in toleration and I believe in love. And I think people really need to get back to that and look at the bigger picture at hand versus trying to ultimately micromanage smaller populations of people who have not had rights for a long time. The uh, Congress just passed a bill along party lines today 
that for a, a, it won't get passed, but uh, federally mandating that uh, any child or any person uh, assigned male at birth cannot compete in female sports, even if they're transitioning. And this is also why it is so important that we, A, educate ourselves and stay educated, stay on top of everything, but B, listen to science. There are so many people who are passing these laws who have no fucking clue what's going on, who have absolutely, they're, they're saying these words, they're throwing you know, these these trigger words out there to make people upset without even realizing or fully understanding what they're saying and the people that they're harming. You know, it's uh, a lot of stuff where if, if they if they were fully educated, if they knew what they were talking about, they wouldn't say half the shit that they say. Right. But they are willfully ignorant on the subject. Well, I mean, because... and then there's that, too. And that's just absolutely asinine. And, you know, the fact that we have that in our politics is just one of the one of the many reasons why America is not so great. I mean, I've said it on this show several times and I've said it out in real life. It's like, I'm fine. If you are stupid, you are unable to learn certain things. That is not your problem. That is not your fault. If you have something presented to you and you refuse to even entertain it or try to understand it, that is the issue. Willful ignorance is not the same as stupidity. Stupidity cannot be helped. Willful ignorance is a choice. But bringing this back to our topic of discussion for today, you know, I am forever grateful for the safe spaces created for people to be their authentic selves and live their life to their fullest, even if it's just a fleeting moment, you know, um, in a positive way, in a very positive manner. I believe that everyone should have the right to express themselves creatively. And that's what these spaces do. They allow people to just be free and how fabulous is that to just be free and be you and not have to worry about who thinks what of you you know and that's why it's so important that we maintain these safe spaces you know and here's the thing anybody is allowed in these spaces anybody as long as you are not going to trample on somebody else's freedoms you are more than welcome to come and experience it and feel the vibes and take in this positive energy and live your best life at the same time. Right. It's liberty and justice for all in the, uh, you know, these these folks like Matt Gates want to have the, you know, well, let's make sure we're saying the Pledge of Allegiance in the chambers of Congress. Right. Liberty and justice for all, not liberty and justice for who we pick and choose. So... This isn't even what we were going to talk about in our getting into No, no, but let's let's get into our, you know, I'm trying to segue to that. Uh, so our getting into character question for today, as Patsy said, you know, we've talked about drag uh, several times on this show because it is one of my favorite things ever, like in the world, uh, to the point where I feel like I should just try drag and, and, and try it on and, and see... 
See how just, it fits. For, yeah, just just for the experience because on, I around. love it. Take your shoes off. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I would probably keep my shoes on. But anyways, um, it's, a, it's a Kimmy Gibbler situation. But anyways. Mm, um, that's true. <laughs> It's pleasant, really. Uh, but no, I, we, we've we've talked about several drag performers like Divine, like RuPaul. We've talked about, you know, drag race and drag race performers. Tuang Fu, thanks for everything, Julie Newmar. You know, yeah, different, different drag Starina. performances in film and television. Uh, Fictional we've drag, mentioned, real drag. You know, we've had, we have an episode on the Boulay Brothers, but we haven't really talked talked about Dragula itself. So we figured today would be a really good day to talk about Dragula and how fantastic it is. And there's some really fun stuff coming up and we'll talk about that in uh, our main discussion. But our getting into character question is this simple. Who are some of your favorite Dragula monsters? Well, I mean, for me, it's easy because it's the, the ones that I've seen live and in person that I've had interactions with. Like, I know you had a really good interaction with one of my favorites, uh, Dali, who um, I was not overly familiar with. Like, you tell me a little bit about it, but I don't always get the chance to watch the shows because, like, sometimes I'm on a film set and I just I don't watch anything for a while. But Dali came in uh, to last year's show... Uh, the season four show, because Dolly won season four. Correct. Do you want? Do well, you want no, me to no. give a little bit of backstory because well, you don't let, exactly know? Well, no, no. Well, I'm or just do you want me talk, to fill in the blanks? You can fill in the blanks. Okay. Because when, uh, so basically, if you haven't been to a Dragula show, what they do is they have the four performers, uh, like the four super monsters, will come out. They'll each have a look, and they'll do their their floor show. So each one of them does a. a uh, a lip sync and then the boulets will come out and do their thing then they'll do an intermission then they'll you know that gives everybody time to get into their second looks uh, for the second floor show which is always awesome Dolly came out I think it was the second look that they did to a song that I was obsessed with it for a while. No, that, that, no, was, the that was the first look. one. Okay, so he came out to. Uh, they came out to Wax Fangs Majestic, which I was super familiar with, only because they had played the song on American Dad, um, in one of the later seasons. But they came out as a clown, and like a candy corn, like a candy corn uh, mohawk, and. At one point, they reached into their codpiece and threw candy corn into the crowd. Yeah, so some people got pieces of crotch Dolly's corn. sweaty crotch candy corn. Yeah, so that look was actually from one of the challenges. The The candy corn clown look was from a challenge in season four. And Dolly is... Uh, I want to make sure I get the nomenclature right. Dully goes by they. Yes. Um, and doesn't dress up as a woman. Like, when you think drag queens, you think a guy dressing up as a woman. Like, that's the, the, the stereotypical image. Um, but Dolly has this phenomenal mustache, 
which kind of shatters the illusion <laughs> sometimes. Well, not necessarily. No, but I mean, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not, like, especially with the two looks that they went with for that show. Like, the other one was, like, the cowboy UFO. Yeah, so that was from uh, the Space Western Challenge yes, of like, season four. And they UFO. came out to a song called, and you became obsessed with this song by, oh, God, I forget get his name but the song is called e-girls e are, are ruining, ruining my, my life. life by uh it's like corpse something? corpse um i think it's just corpse no something else um corpse duration hold but, on i have it on my my playlist uh, let me, me let me just look it up me. but that look was super cool and like the moves that they were doing yeah corpse just corpse the moves that Dali was doing were like very like liquid, like they moved really well. And I was like, that's one of the most impressive things. It's like, it's not just the pageantry and like what they look like when they come out, like the different, you know, uh, dresses or outfits or whatever they happen to be putting together. Uh, and I'm using they in like the collective term for like the, the performers, not just uh, Dali, but it's like, and then these folks will come out and they will move in ways that, like, I look at that and it's like, ow, my knee hurts just from watching them do these. Laganja Estranja did a 10-foot drop into a split once. And if you are unaware of how drag queens hide their bits uh yeah just please enlighten folks well it's it's called friends tucking it's called tucking now uh laganja estranja um since her season has come out as trans so pronouns are are she her okay um but yeah i believe that was season six of all stars um against lip syncing for their legacy against Trinity K. Bonet and Trinity she... the Tuck? No, no, no. That's different, a different... different. Okay, Trinity K. That. Bonet. Trinity Kardashian Bonet um, from season five. No, six. Season six because that's the season that Bianca Del Rio won. Um, but yeah, she comes out, she does this drop into a splits and says, Okay, all stars, let's get you let's get this all started or something. She says something, but like it was just like what? What? Well, I mean, in um season four or five, whatever Trinity the Tuck uh season of all stars they do a talent show and her ta talent was tucking because she's called trinity the duck and she has one of the smoothest tucks in the biz i'm telling her tuck is uh flatter than mine let's just put it that way um it hurts me so i the, asked you one the time. balls go up so yes. you tuck your balls up inside of yourself very mm. carefully. Yeah, very carefully. And then you take your flaccid doodle and you pull it between your cheeks. And you use duct tape 
to keep it all together. And a and lot of care. There is something called a gaff. So after you're done taping yourself in place, gaff goes on under. It's kind of like a, a thinner thong. And what it does is it just kind of helps keep everything in place. And then you can put your underwear and stuff on after. So I had asked you once because... RuPaul refers to her girls a lot of times as squirrel friends. And I was like, why does she refer to them? And you said... Because they hide their nuts. Yes. And just thinking about this, I've accidentally almost done that a couple of times. And it's uncomfortable. I can't imagine doing that intentionally. And then doing the splits. Like... I'm always, like, that's one of my, like, the thing that impresses me the most is when they do the splits. Like, anybody who does that, and it happens all the time on RuPaul's Drag Race, especially during the lip sync challenges. Like, somebody will leap in the air or spin around and come down, and it's like, ha, huh, I couldn't do that as I am now let alone with everything rearranged. But here's the fabulous part of drag. So you can tuck, and if you want to tuck, and that's your drag expression, that is fabulous. You do you. Um, if you don't want to tuck, that is also fabulous, and you do you. There are so many different types of drag that is valid, and it is art, and it is beautiful. What do the boulets say? Drag is art, and art is subjective. They always say, we are not here to judge your drag because drag is art, and art is subjective. That's what they say uh, at the start of every like competition, like when, they're, when they have everyone there for judging. It's like we're not judging your your drag. We're judging how you handled the concept. Right? That how we gave you, you how you uh, conveyed your version of drag, especially where to the competition. It's different from RuPaul's show because there are so many different styles and aesthetics. Like with RuPaul, they tend to be more like prettier girls. Well, I mean, you know, and that's part of it. You get a lot of the pageant girls. You get a little bit of the punk girls. You Occasionally know, like, a, with like a Sharon Needles, Sharon Needles or an and, Alaska. Uh, Alaska was a little pageanty when she started out, but she's become a little more punk. Um, you know, or, uh, or an Evie Oddly. Uh, ones that don't necessarily fit into the pretty mold so to speak of of drag race um you know there haven't been any drag kings on drag race and there has been only one afab queen and by afab queen that stands for assigned female at birth queen um on drag race uk the second season whereas dragula had the the i mean going by that criteria and not having as much knowledge as you about the the series uh, the first person who comes to mind is Sigourney Beaver. Sigourney B.I. Okay, so speaking of favorite, phenomenal. I love Sigourney Beaver. She was on season four. She was in the top four. Her um, outfit last year's show. Ugh. very uh, burlesque Spiky. inspired, her performances. Um, she likes to get naked or close there to it um, there were some well-placed tassels and yes yes it's very it's very classy it's very tasteful uh she refers to herself as a female impersonator impersonator which i just i love that so much i love that so much 
Yeah, uh, I thought her performances last year were awesome. Um, so I would say that uh, Sigourney Beaver and Dolly were my favorite last year. I do like Hoso. Uh, I like Hoso a lot. I like the uh, again. If I just see like uh, uh, because again I'm not as well versed as you are. Like I can pick out like oh I know who that is. I know who that is. But if there's like you know twenty people standing there, it's like it's hard for me to know who everybody is. Like sometimes I forget and it's like isn't that this one? And you're like no, that's this person. And it's like but when Hoso's in drag, it's like. That's Hoso. Mm-hmm. Like, 100%. I'm like, that's definitely Hoso because of the specific aesthetic. And I really appreciate that. Like, no matter what the look is, like, there was some, like, Resident Evil shit this year. And there was some wolf stuff last year. And as soon as I'm like, that's Hoso. Like, you, you just know. Um, one person who I was unfamiliar with, but, like, I got baptized at church. Uh, literally, Melissa B. Fierce. That fucking outfit. Well, save yeah. that for the discussion. Yeah. Save that for dis- the the discussion. But that was one of my favorite performances. Like, I'm not going to get into it because we're going to talk about that a little later. But that was one of my favorite performances ever at any drag show because of the uh, props. Yes. Yes. You, yes. If you were at the show or you saw my gif if you've on seen, the interwebs or if you know you've you were able to see Melissa at uh in Orlando cuz I think they Orlando and then uh Atlanta DC and Boston I believe they said cuz they were coming up they started in Orlando and that was that's Melissa yeah, B. So Fierce's just, hometown. Uh, yeah, so it's just they crowned a hand... Victoria. Yeah, because that was also Victoria. It was Victoria's hometown. Oh, I did I switch those? Yeah, maybe. Um, but anyways, uh, are you all set? Yeah, yeah is that yeah. it? Okay, so I'm gonna go by a season by season basis. Uh, so season one, season one was on YouTube. It was like their demo role season. Uh, which was still fantastic. Such a good, I mean, like, for being of such small budget and having limited funds, limited, you know, uh, capabilities, limited crew and whatnot, season one is fantastic. Now, you can find all of the seasons, uh, one through four, Titans, as well as the Resurrection special on Shudder. And we'll talk a little bit more about that during the uh, main discussion. But season one, my favorites have to be Melissa B. Fierce. We'll talk about her later because holy fuck. Um, Meatball. Meatball, the fat slut shirt that I have. Uh, yes. That's Meatball. Yes. My shirt. Um, which I was thinking about the after fat. I'm like, oh, I should have worn my fat slut shirt to Dragula. But there's always next time. I wore my shark slut shirt. Um and Vander Von Odd, who won season one, uh, such a very interesting performer. And at the time, they hadn't been doing drag that long. And there are some people who are just born 
entertainers. They're born to perform. They're born to do certain things. And Vander is definitely born to be a drag artist. Uh, season two, we have Miss Victoria Elizabeth Black. That is her original season. Um, I did love uh, Dolly was also on season two. However, Dolly, I didn't I was rooting for Dolly uh, because I actually knew Dolly. Uh, Dolly had a different background as a musician in the MySpace days. I've been a friend of uh, a fan of, of Dolly for a long time. Um, but yeah, it was, it was really uh, Victoria. Liz oh, and James Majesty, who now just goes by Majesty. Uh, James Majesty was a shady fucking cunt on their season. And it was just so good. Their drag is really fantastic. And Bitch Puddin, who ended up winning season two, she grew on me. I really like the drag that she's doing now. It's uh, kind of a, a, a gender fuck thing. She, you know, goes all out wigs, boobs, ensembles, and she's sporting a mustache. And I just, I love that so much. Um, she kind of pioneered the... Uh, digital drag through the pandemic she was one of the first ones to do that and um yeah she's just i mean who she was at the beginning of season two versus now it, it's just she definitely deserved deserved to win the title at that moment um but yeah um and more on victoria elizabeth black in a little bit Season three, I loved Landon Sider. I was rooting for Landon from the beginning. Landon is a drag king and definitely offers a different perspective to everything. Uh, also, just a really delightful, wonderful person behind the getup, but um, so put together and so professional. That season also brought us Eva Destruction, who was also in the Titans season, uh, and I love Eva. Eva is so great. Um, again, a different perspective of drag. They are a very hairy individual and refuse to shave, and I love that so much. Having this, you know, very feminine persona and aesthetic, and then just being super furry. I think the the uh, contrast of the two is just so just iconic and beautiful. Um, and then we get to, oh, I also love Madeline Hatter, uh, but that's a story for another day. She's a, she's a piece of work, but she is fierce and fantastic. And then we get to season four. We already spoke about Sigourney Beaver, who I think has one of the best drag names ever. Um, you know, an AFAB queen who does this gorgeous, definitely has the, the glam of the glam filth and horror of Dragula uh, burlesque style just uh, over the top and sexual and gorgeous um, Dolly came back that season and won their drag character had changed over time um, really more of a more of a fully realized concept and more confident in themselves as well and it really showed, and I think that's why they went on to win the season. 
because they just showed so much growth and so much potential and it was it was it was really well earned they absolutely 100% deserved it um and then there was this special called resurrection so resurrection 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 brought back it was um several of the monsters from previous seasons dolly included and it was to win a spot on season four now dolly didn't win that saint actually did but dolly they were so impressed the blaze were so impressed with dolly's performance that they brought dolly back as well and it's funny because victoria elizabeth black was among those drag monsters in the resurrection special special and the boulet said that if they were to do a titans season like an all-stars season that that is the caliber that Victoria Elizabeth Black needs to be competing on. She needs to be competing because she is just so... Her drag is very elevated. And it's it's just so different from her competitors. And it's almost like it wouldn't have been fair to put her with a bunch of first-time contestants so we got a little bit of an earworm there with the whole Titans All-Stars thing. And then a year ago, it was announced that Dragula was doing an All-Star season. They called it Titans. And Victoria Elizabeth Black was announced as one of the performers. So I just thought that was really interesting how all of that played out. You know, were they were they thinking of that you know, because the resurrection special happened before season four even started filming. Because that's the spot that they were vying for, the last spot on season four. So, I mean, this was two, three years ago that they were already kind of, the wheels were spinning, you know, coming up with this this idea. And obviously, Victoria Elizabeth Black was on the Titans season and she ended up winning, which it was mm, so warranted. So warranted for she did this look and I'm gonna I'll, I'll post pictures of the look from the show uh in the group. But uh she did this look. It was for like a, a sci-fi themed uh challenge and she was inspired by the thing and the way that she made her prosthetics and the way that she contorted her body, it was just... It was ridiculous. It was, it was I, I mean, it's probably one of the best drag looks, drag performances I've ever seen in my life. Like, it was just so good, so next level, just beyond, absolutely beyond, um... So, yeah, I'm going to leave my picks at that for now. We will take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the show and a little more Dragula and some stuff coming up in the Dragula world that you may be interested in. Yeah, so we'll be right back. 
Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, it's scary. That, of course, is the uh, the opening for the Dragula show, and uh, <clears throat> they do it a lot. That's from the season four uh, soundtrack. Uh, we had to. It was it was tough to find one that didn't have like like the winner of Dragula will receive ten thousand dollars. Like we were trying to find that uh, because they play uh, obviously they play that and they give you a little promotional thing uh, in front of every episode. So I thought it was kind of cool. I thought about just now, uh, you know, two hours after we recorded that, um, that it would be cool to maybe do, like, the Creatures of the Night podcast intro, but eh, most of these folks we're talking about I don't think have ever been on the podcast, so why why do that now that I'm thinking about it? Who hasn't been on the podcast? Like, the Universal Remonsters. They've been on the podcast. I haven't heard an episode that they were on. You have not been listening hard enough. I listened to... They absolutely had... Well, I haven't listened to all the episodes. The season four girls on. I haven't listened to all the episodes, to be fair. But I also haven't... You know, the episodes that we listen to in the car, I haven't haven't heard... uh, It's usually just Drax, Swan, and Ian. But again, like I said, I haven't listened to all of them. so. But it's a moot point anyways because I just thought about it now while we're recording this segment and we're like... We went way over the first section. I did not think we were going to go an hour for that first segment. So, But I mean, once I get you talking about drag... like it's I just, love drag! No, like, I, I get it. Like I'm not. I love it's not drag a, the way Oprah loves bread. Okay. I'm not saying anything bad. I love drag. I'm just saying, like you know, you and I both were like, all right, we're already way late on this. We'll get a. We'll we'll do a quick intro. We'll do a quick episode. No, I didn't think we were gonna do a quick episode because we're talking drag. We're talking dragula we're talking like the stuff we just like we talked for an hour about the show we had both just seen you know on sunday night on the way home so like to talk about all of the shows and all of the performers uh yeah i knew it was gonna be a long one so i mean i'm here for it like that's 
Like that's you're serving up long-winded drag conversation. Did I do that right? Do I see you shiver with anticipation for more Dragula talk? Something like that. Um, so why don't you start off the, uh, because this is definitely like, as much as I enjoy it, I'm more of a casual observer. Uh, Welcome are, to my veal house. Yes, you are definitely <laughs> way more well-versed in the subject of drag I and drag like performers. I feel like I'm more well-versed than most people in this, to be completely honest with you. Yeah. Um, I just I just love it. I just love it so much. Uh, it started at a young age and just blossomed, you know. Um I love where it's come and I love where it's going and I love how mainstream it is and, you know, uh, Drag Race is getting these big celebrities to, you know, like Andrew Garfield was a was a, was a judge on one of the UK, I believe, um, was either season two or three, like the first episode of, of Drag Race UK, one of those seasons, which is just crazy. As soon as you said that, the first thing I my, that my mind went to was Tom Holland doing Umbrella because they were both Spider-Man. I mean, appropriate, <laughs> yeah. So like the first thing I thought of, you were like, oh yeah, Andrew Garfield. I'm like, wait, Spider-Man? Did you meet Tom Holland on that lip sync show? Um. You know, but they've they've gotten some. Uh, I mean, Lady Gaga was a judge on Drag Race. Nicki Minaj, um, Christina Aguilera. I mean, they've had some really uh, Alicia Keys, uh, Cameron Diaz is a fan. Like it's crazy. Uh, Ariana Grande was uh, a judge on the most recent season. Um, you know, they, they've, they've developed, uh, some big name fans over the years who just love what they do and appreciate the art form. Same with Dragula. So one of the things that I love is obviously they tend to have, uh, guests who are of the more horror aesthetic or you know in the in in the horror world um like for this titan season they had cassandra peterson better known as elvira as a judge uh harvey guillen you know him as gizmo <laughs> no not you gizmo um on what we do in the shadows uh darren stein who is the director of jawbreaker frank's brother yes yes i believe he's actually a producer on the show um orville peck was a judge for the the popcorn guy different guy but yes (laughs) um uh, along with trixie mattel and that pairing is just so appropriate uh they do get have some other drag race girls who uh, have been judges not all of them have made the jump but the ones that they've had on have been really appropriate to judge certain episodes like Trixie Mattel Katya Alaska Bob the Drag Queen Willem still my favorite my favorite name Bob the Drag Queen um, they had Fifi O'Hara for one of the earlier seasons uh, not a drag girl uh, I mean not a, a RuPaul girl but definitely known in the drag community by girl was uh a a a judge um i don't know who that is 
the the late great Heclina, who we lost recently, very tragically. It was just sudden, and it's just a whole thing, and that's very sad. Uh, Peaches Christ, which I think is one of the greatest drag names ever. Mm. Um, I don't know if Jackie Beat's been on there, but uh, Coco Peru, I believe, is so. So some of these great, just classic, you know, broke the mold drag queens uh you know the reasons why we have the drag that we have today you know um but but yeah so it's it's come such a it's come a long way and it's come a long way from uh, you know dragulus you know speaking of dragula from its season one roots with very limited production to this titan season that was oh the production value was fantastic and so good and it's really nice to see something that you love get its flowers yeah and it's nice to see something that you love uh other people love it too and it gains in popularity and because of that they're able to do more and they have since resurrection so it was the resurrection special season four and then titans um, have been part of the Shudder family, which is exactly where they belong. And speaking of Shudder, um, they have a Halfway to Halloween special coming out on the 25th of April. And it's not going to, I mean, there will be some Dragula super monsters involved, but it's going to be a lot of horror people a lot of horror royalty and apparently we had the opportunity to see a super top secret sneak peek during our show and it's gonna be good like it looks so good i cannot wait to see more drac told everybody to put their phones away and if you saw someone taking their phone out to drop kick it out of their hands yes because it was eyes only our mission should we choose to accept it is to watch this trailer and keep it under our hats. Like, it was really cool. Like, it was really quick, so, like, you couldn't tell who everybody was, but, like, if you looked really fast, you were like, okay, I know who that is, I know who that is, I know who that is, I know who that is. Like, that's awesome. A lot of icons. Yes. A lot of icons. Um, And apparently they wanted to be a part of this. They heard that the Boulay brothers were doing this, you know, um, in cooperation with Shudder. And all of these people came forward and were like, hey, I love what you do. I want to be a part of this. Like, please write me in your script. Find some part for me to do. And they were like, okay. Uh, So that was just really cool. But getting back to the show... um, it's incredible to have the opportunity to see what you saw on television right in front of you and to be able to see the craftsmanship of some of these looks and just the sheer professionalism of some of these performers. It is a just inspiring and so unbelievably just jaw-dropping incredible yeah it's it's wild seeing the stuff like that close like when melissa came out my jaw dropped i was like this is maybe the 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 coolest fucking like it was a non-prosthetic thing 
Like it was just. Uh, well, I, mean, was so- I don't want to say just, but like it wasn't like one of those. I'm not comparing it to uh, the thing look because you can't. So I'm just saying, like for a a yeah, good. Go ahead. So. The performance that we're talking about, Melissa B. Fierce, uh, was not one of the top three in Titans. But what they were doing is they had the top three as, you know, uh, permanent performers on this tour. And every so many dates, a new performer was going to hop on from the Titans season. So we got Melissa B. Fierce. Erica Clash is currently performing with them because Melissa's last date was our date, which I feel so incredibly grateful to have had the opportunity to see a Melissa B. Fierce show because, oh, my God goodness um she is not like some of the other super monsters that uh have been on the show and she was on season one and i know a lot of the people uh the other performers had issue with her being there because they thought she was too pretty she was too glamour. She wasn't enough horror. She wasn't enough filth. You know, the the, the all-encompassing drag performer. She was too one thing and not enough others. Um, seeing her in her t- in the in the Titans season, she's definitely evolved her performance a little bit more. But she is a seasoned veteran, and she is a goddamn professional. And let me tell you, having the opportunity to see her live, she knows exactly what she's doing. Everything is perfectly timed. The lip sync is tight. The ensembles are just so right. So right. So this one performance, it was her first performance of the night. She comes out. She's wearing this sequined kind of like Virgin Mary Saint. It almost looked like a religious iconography. It had the big red heart like, on the front. Like, you know, you would have a candle with this image on it that you lit on holy days. Um, just absolutely stunning, looking larger than life to Madonna's Like a Prayer, which... Girl, let me tell you, if you are a drag performer performing any Madonna, Cher, or Gaga song, you better bring it. And she brought it. Uh, Slowly revealed... So, you know, took off the robes, took off the gorgeous headpiece to reveal this very skimpy, also bedazzled habit and nun wear um, to... Very uh, Frankenfurter-esque. Kinda, yeah, yeah. With the stockings and fishnets. Yeah. To the tune of Gaga's Bloody Mary, which is all the rage right now on TikTok because they're doing that whole little Wednesday Adams dance to it. Um, I'm too old for that. And then proceeded to baptize the crowd with holy water. Uh, we hoped now, it was we, water. we hope. Oh, yeah, I turned to the person next to me. I was like, I hope that's water. In the meantime, 
She turns around and you see that she has a very meticulously placed giant rosary uh, clenched between her cheeks. Mm-hmm. And you can only imagine where that went. Uh, oh, you didn't have to imagine. You could see. Well, yes, yes. Uh, in, in my opinion, that is the only appropriate wear, way to, was, to wear a rosary. Uh, the holiest of holies. Yeah, yes. <laughs> uh, that's a religion I can get behind, by the way. Ha-ha! <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was, just, it was just absolutely phenomenal. And then she proceeded at the end to remove the rosary from its hollowed place. Uh, it was just phenomenal. It was so good. Uh, it was risque. It was perverse. It was uh, everything that you want a drag performance to be while somehow remaining classy. It was very classy. Like, it pushed all of these boundaries and made you rethink everything, but yet there was just a a way that she presents herself in such a in such a manner like there was just a... There was such tact to it. It was, uh, it's difficult to explain. You had to be there, but it was just, it was so Yeah, there's good. seeing pictures and then there's being there and experiencing the vibe. Mm. Uh, very different, very different things. Oh, and talk about <clears throat> gorgeous. The way that she paints her face is just so, inc- oh, she's beautiful. So beautiful. Um, it's, it's, she is a work of art. Absolutely. Yeah, I was I was um, floored, like the the, like I don't think I even got that good of a picture, and I took like thirty pictures, uh, just of her first outfit. Like I did my best, but like. And that was actually so. She was in the top of season one. That was her floor show for filth. So she came out. She had the rosary anal beads and. Hashtag, is there an anal option? Um, you know, wearing uh, an ensemble similar to to that. So it was, uh, that was really cool to see in person. You know, you see it on the TV and it's impactful, but... So shiny. It, it I don't know. There's just something about seeing it in person and kind of really feeling the energies and... Uh, you know the the song choices that they they chose and stuff it was just it was, oh, it was a moment i was here for it it was my favorite thing that happened that night and there were a lot of great things that happened in those performances but that was absolutely my favorite performance of the night yeah uh it was it was phenomenal like just so good and then her second performance, she came out in her bedazzled, bedazzled predator. predator. Oh my god! Like, and they were, they have like their little intros before they do their 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 floor show part. And as soon as it started, I was like, "This is the predator, isn't it?" Like, because I you had shown me the predator, but I didn't remember who it was. I was like, "This is the predator." Like, because I recognized the the audio from the trailer. And I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, this is... 
And that was phenomenal, too. She had a headpiece and kind of like sword-looking uh, weapon. It um, looked like Thanos' double-bladed sword from Endgame. But like those both lit up and her uh, costume, her like bodysuit was all bedazzled and just absolutely beautiful. Uh, she had... This wig that looked like locks, um, which resembled the hair. It's not. Uh, do, the weird, the, do predators have hair? It's like built into their heads. It's not like hair, but it's like. But it, but it looked like it was it like was a dreadlock wig. Yeah, type thing, yeah. But like it's... it was a wig that looked like those. I, don't I know. think they were like they're like sensory organs to help them hunt better. Like whiskers on a oh, cat. Oh, that was so good. And she was just kind of slinking across the stage. Like, I got a good picture of the these, Oh, that, that's light up really mask. good. Wow, that's a really good picture. Like, um, yeah, and she was just kind of like stalking her prey on the stage and lip syncing. And it was just. She did take the mask off at one point. Well, yeah, because you have nice. to see. The well, I mean, that's what the predator. That's well, that's underneath. what the predator did, too. Right. The predator took off the mask. Yeah, so you could but see the gorgeous face still underneath had the predator the, mask. Still had the, the, the ridged head and the, the long dreadlocks, which. Oh, yeah. Oh, it was so good. She was, uh, the the Like a Prayer was definitely my favorite of the night, but she was one of my top, like overall, one of my top performers of the night. Just, oh, so good. So good. And then what did you think of Coco Kane? So in the uh, pre-show podcast, they were talking about how Hoso was running late because she had done a, a, a private show the night before. And was kind of putting their uh, the all the look together either in the airport or on the plane, and that somehow they ended up on the subject of uh, Coco Kane's titty plate, which with Coco had multiple looks and multiple. I mean, titty plate's the best thing for it. I mean, it is like this ridiculously oversized bosom. Well, that's a, it's a breastplate. Yeah, but I mean, I but, but like, but like for for Coco, you gotta call. I mean, so see, I call it a. I like that they called it a titty plate because when I think breastplate, I think armor. No, but for Coco, uh, calling it a titty plate, and I'm in the process of watching rewatching Titans right now. Um, we just rewatched. Well, I just rewatched the Glow episode, the gorgeous ladies of, re- wrestling, the ugly ladies of wrestling. Yeah, the ugly ladies of wrestling episode, um, and Coco had a very largely endowed. I mean, like, this seems like <laughs> if this was someone naturally, like... Those weren't knockers. Those were bonkers. Like, it was, it was fucking bonkers. Like, it was wild. Like, these things were, I would say, beach balls. Like, or, like... Hippity hops. Like, if you've seen the uh, medicinal fried chicken episode of South Park where all the guys get testicular cancer and they're hopping around on their gigantic balls, that's roughly the same size as the 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 
breastal appendage uh, of of cocaine because this was goddamn ridiculous. Yeah, so Coco Kane, she is known for being very sexual, uh, very over the top. Oh, I never would have guessed that from her spiked taint. <laughs> and her live performances definitely live up. Um, her first performance, she was wearing uh, an ensemble from the Sci-Fi Challenge that was a little uh, kind of Barbarella inspired, and she had this like really big gun that she made. It was just so freaking cool. Um, and then she just gets on stage, and she's just twerking, and her titty plate is just bopping and all her over giant the place. Ass plate. Like, like oh and she oh she pads and she pads and she pads some more like her padding is just she is so voluptuous it is gorgeous like I love the way that she pads her she hips. She could survive like a six story fall. Yeah, she's just like oh, <laughs> oh my, that was a little rough. I mean, not um, with the spiked taint. Well, like, no, you'd have no, to watch. not not with that. But with but... the padding and the breastplate, like. You know, she like hit her, the ground her titty plate just like it looks so soft. Like you just kind of want to like nestle up in her bosom. It looks and take like a nap. stress balls, <laughs> like a stress like ball, like stress ball. Like it probably feels like a stretch Armstrong. Like it's weird. Or I'd be like, uh, what's his name? It feels like a bag of sand. Like they definitely look like there's, uh, like you could. Jack wouldn't need to stay on the door. Like he could, like she could probably fit three or four people on her boobs. Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah, yeah. Although those suckers are heavy, they look buoyant. I don't, I don't know if they would float. No, no. I'm just saying they look buoyant. Oh, they, they yes, yes. I mean, looks can be deceiving. Oh but, yeah, I'm but, sure. But yes. Um, and then her second performance, she kind of had this. Uh, so she was wearing part of the ensemble that she wore for the Dungeons and Dragons episode, um, but she kind of turned it into this, like native cannibalistic looking thing. She, she was a very... spider. She was a spider. No, that wasn't spider. No. Yeah. Tell look me. at all the eight. Look at all the legs. Those yeah, are big looks... hairy legs. Like, I know what you're saying. It almost looks like fur pelts, but like in the video intro. I thought intro, she looked very feral. In the video intro. Well, yeah, so they she had was. A, they had spiders. Yeah, and so, she came but that out spider with... look. Uh, that was her finale look. But she, she did up, this like Black Widow thing. She stripped that off, climbed onto the goddamn railing, and she I was just like she was twerking on this railing. That she had um, her legs wrapped around. So there's like a little. There was a stage, and then there was like a, a set of stairs that went up to like a slightly higher stage where the big screen was. And not everybody incorporated that into their act, but she did. And she kind of climbed on. You could tell she was being very, very careful. She had no shoes on. She was just barefooted. But she climbed up there, kind of wrapped her legs around it, and then leaned backwards. And I was like, oh, she's going to tear her ACL. I was I was concerned, but I was like, no, she knows what she's doing. Um, I want to talk about Victoria's second look. So if you do her first look, I will talk about the second look because 
I'm obsessed with the music that she came out to. Okay, well, do you want to talk about Hoso first? Yeah, we can do Hoso first. Yeah, so let's let's do Hoso first. So Hoso's first performance, I believe that one was also from the sci-fi episode. Yeah, that was um, this one. Yes, the yes. The Resident Evil looking shit. Yes. Um, and it was really cool. Uh, performed to something uh, that, that wasn't that was the second performance was bjork yeah the first one was like a korean song yes uh the second one was bjork human nature i believe is the name of the song i might be wrong but it's one that i've heard before I, like i recognized it as bjork mm -hmm. um so her first look like the first thing i was thinking was that reminds me of like a resident evil like mid-transformation, like, long tendrils coming out of the arm where, like, you're partially human, but also, like, you're in the midst of mutating into, like, some, you know, terrifying creature. Um, but her second one was very intricate where there were, like, different parts to it where she was, like, pulling like pieces like she had this crazy headdress and she had like this weird like chest plate not like a cocaine type of chest plate but like no, a not, weird, not a not a titty plate weird like chest accessory that had like interlocking arms on it and she in, like pulled the arms apart and pulled a baby out of it and then she like ripped the baby open and was playing with the intestines like that shit was wild i mean like that's something you don't take your kids to and like you know our friend uh Mandy, who was there, uh, her husband Ryan wanted to go, but it wasn't an appropriate place to bring their daughter, even though they're, like, heavy into, like, horror and stuff like that. You know, and he and I chatted about it, and he's like, it's not that I wouldn't expose her to drag, it's just she's too young for this type of boule, like, horror and, like, sexual right, like it's right. not appropriate but, for but, children you know but here's the thing you know that was one of the topics of conversation during the podcast yeah they don't make content for children so you won't find you know, kids it at is the show. up to you whether or not you want to expose your children to it but they would prefer you leave your children at home um side note evie oddly uh made probably one of the best analogies that I've heard thus far for this whole situation. Drag performances kind of like movies. You don't take your child to see every film. You're not going to take your child to see a, a really brutal, disgusting horror film. Like you're not going to take your child to go see the new evil dead movie that comes out. You know, you're not going to take your child to go see Saw 10. You know, some action flick where a bunch of people are shot up. The new Expendables movie that comes out in October. Right, you're not going to take your kid to that. Now, I mean, granted, yes, there are some there's there's an exception to every rule. If you've grown if your but, kid has grown up with horror right, and stuff like that. Right, but that's up to I you. I wouldn't take our niece we wouldn't take our niece to this show. Oh, well, well. Who is well, going to be nine in August. Well, no, but that's also because Mama wants to drink and Mama wants to have a good but time. Like, and I don't want to be responsible no, for saying, anybody like, else but myself. We wouldn't take her to this show. No, we wouldn't I wouldn't take I, her to those movies because while she likes some of that, like, ooh, the Monster Squad, that's, that's you know, fun. Like, but 
that's kind of at the edge for her. This is so far beyond that. So even if kids like, oh, right. my kid can, her- can handle like, horror, it's like, Ehh. but like just because it, it's there's there are drag performances directed at children, drag story time. Yeah, there are rated G, PG stuff that drag performers do all the time. You know, there are all ages show that you know you as a parent can use your discrepancy to bring your child to. You know, there are also shows that your children do not belong at because you know what? Your children do not belong in every space that people are allowed. Right. Just because, like, it's something you want to do. It's like, you know, people who bring, you know, children. Well, what was the movie we went to see where somebody had, like, a two-year-old and were like, why do you have a two-year-old at this movie? And it was like some, uh, it might have been Morbius. You know, it's like, why do you have a child here? Like, that's, it's, why would you do that? Like, this is not an appropriate film for this kid. Um, But yeah, so, Hoso's second look, like, her devouring, like, ripping the baby open and eating, like, the insides, like, that was really cool. Um, So, Victoria Elizabeth Black. Yes. So, her first look was the zombie prom look from the yeah from the from the zombie prom episode which is such a cool look and that whole episode was really fun because at first the contestants come out in this gorgeous you know looking like prom queens uh one of them i think eva destruction did kind of like a josie grossy type look uh but you know beauty queens gorgeous looking like basic bitches their words not mine but you know if the shoe fits uh but just just stunning beauty makeup um and victoria elizabeth black came out looking just absolutely gorgeous and then what happened was their prom was raided by zombies and oh no now they're zombies at the prom so they had to turn themselves into zombies and her look was just so good uh the prosthetics that she did the color of the dress the way that she moved and just you know very uh sluggish but kind of you know how zombies are slow but they can also be kind of quick at the same time like sometimes sharp yeah sometimes sharp with their movements um but her her makeup her prosthetics were of a almost looked very classic zombie you know green face sunken eyes uh lips starting to decay and kind of curl back to expose most of the teeth and bone um her hair so it kind of like almost looked like a, a brain and intestines like in her hair and that was her hair it was really cool like it looked like a, a big almost like b52 buffon type thing it was so well it was so well done like it was so done. cool it was so and again you know having the opportunity you know you see it on television and you're like wow that looks so great and then you're standing 10 feet away 
from it and you're like wow that really does look great uh it was just phenomenal um her artistry is just it's so next level and she really takes such care with what she does and she really understands the assignment and has her own little isms that she puts on things um there's this gracefulness that she has in everything that she does uh and i don't even know if she realizes that she does this but it's just so beautiful to watch and so even though she was this zombie who was you know staggering across the stage in this prom outfit that was mangled and you know she's consuming body parts and whatnot on the stage um and dancing with her while tied up like the the like the 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 she had like a big bow on the front and she was kind of like tied up and she eventually like worked her way out of it like which i thought was kind of cool uh her performances have a lot of little things to them and if you pay attention to those little things you're going to be highly entertained and that's one of those little things you know at the beginning of the performance she was all tied up in this bow that was part of her dress and then she was able to slowly work her way out and free her arms and then she was dancing with her partner uh who was a torso um it was just it was really well done it was so cool and then her, but her second performance was one of the most hauntingly beautiful things I have ever seen in my life. And I will let you talk about that because I know you loved it so much. So the second one, the stagehand PAs, uh, they brought out this, I couldn't tell what it was. I thought it was a shack, and I was like, if she comes out in the thing makeup, I'm going to lose my fucking mind. Because, you know, as many of you know, I am a huge fan of that film. It's one of my favorite films of all time. I'm like, if she comes out in the thing makeup, I'm going to lose it. And you're like, I don't think that's going to be it. And I couldn't tell what it was. And then the music starts playing. Now, I have a history, as we talked about earlier today, of learning about and hearing uh, new music through drag shows. Uh, you know, obviously that Corpse song, and then later that year was... Um, was it later that year? No, because it was last year. No, that was the year, the year before. before. So 2021, uh, when we went to the, the Drive and Drag show in August... Uh, Rosé came out and I was like, oh, this song is really cool. What is it? And you're like, oh, that's Halsey uh, Control. And I was like, I really like this. So then um, this song starts playing and the best way I can describe it is like, it's like a song that would be played by a haunted mariachi band. And it's called Mausoleum by Rafferty. If you've never heard it, look it up. It's about six minutes long. It's fucking incredible. And I am obsessed with the song. And she comes out of the mausoleum and does her whole lip sync and her whole performance. And it's just the look that she has, the lighting that they use. It's almost like being under a black light for some of it. And then they switch the lighting. So, like, the song, 
at least what I got out of it. I don't know if you got the same thing, but the song is basically like these forbidden lovers who have been cursed. So every hundred years, one of them is alive and conscious and walking around and they have to pine after the other for a hundred years and then they commit suicide by throwing themselves into the sea only for their lover to wake up. Think of the end of uh, Romeo and Juliet mm. where she's dead or he's dead and she's like, oh, hey, I'm okay. I hope you didn't kill yourself for real there, uh, Romeo. Um, but it's like they have to keep missing each other and then spend a century pining for this lost love. And it's the way she did it, the look that she had, the, the makeup it was involved, the headpiece that was involved. Well, that was the crown. Yes. That was her Titan's crown. And it almost looked like it had... Okay, that um, I didn't know. Looked like it had... Was it? Is it uranium glass? I think that was the lighting that they used because uh, I think it was like a black light because they had uh, like her her dress also had some of that black light to it. Like we're looking at the pictures now. See how it's got like that. Yeah. Okay. But, but still, it, it, it looked it like look uranium like it, glass. Especially like, was, like in this lighting. Yeah. Here. It was. It was. Yeah. It was stunning. I know you can't see it this because it's not a so visual. So beautiful. Thing. Yeah. So she was. Um, the actual crowning happened in uh, Orlando. the Orla Orlando date because the first, she's from the kicking yes, off the tour. Yes. Uh, and that's where she got the crown. And so she does this last number with the crown on. And it's just so, again, hauntingly beautiful. Her mannerisms are so soft and graceful. And I'm going to use the word angelic because, you know, it's such a... Ethereal would be ethereal, a better word. Yes, yes. Yeah, I knew where you were, when you said angelic. Ethereal. When you um, said angelic, I knew where you were going, but I was like, "That's not quite." You know, and it's just these these small movements, but sh it's so powerful, and oh, like she's just such a fantastic performer. And you know, while some people come out and do these like crazy bits and stuff, which again so fucking fun and entertaining she comes out and does some of these softer I mean she does do some hard numbers too and she's you know uh, her music choices are very similar to stuff that or sometimes it is stuff that I enjoy that I listen to um, so obviously I really enjoy her performances because of that but uh, but there's just something that that final performance was just oh yeah, and so good. Again, listening like so good. I actually, this is how fucking old I am. I shazammed the song while we were <laughs> not shazam. What's the other one? Sound, sound, soundhound uh, is the thing that I have. I use the soundhound app while the performance was going on because I was just so captivated by this song, and I downloaded it, added it to my uh, Amazon Music playlist. And we listened to it twice on the way home. And I was just like, it's incredible. Um, I think one of the things I was most impressed with is, uh, so you had the 
monsters come out and they do their bits and then you had the was it the boulets and then the group yes it had to have been the boulets and then the group so the boulet brothers come out they do a performance and what i love is they will do one you know that they'll they do two performances along with hosting the show. Um, their first performance was really soft and pretty and kind of like, you know, Victoria, very graceful, very artistic. Um, and then their second performance was just off the chain, super. I mean, they had props. They had, uh, they beheaded Ian. Um, they crazy wardrobe changes in the blink of an eye uh prosthetic changes like they go from looking like people to looking like these dracula bat looking creatures it was crazy like in the matter of seconds it's just one of those like how did they do that uh but what i was most impressed with is Victoria went from full zombie prosthesis in the span of, I don't know, three minutes, you know, the time because she performed and then the Blaze performed and then there was a group performance. So she might have had five. Put on this full pumpkin head jack-o'-lantern prosthetic. This was from the, I believe it was the first challenge of the Titan season. It was the... um haunted house party everyone had to dress up kind of like their version of a classic halloween costume so hoso teratoma was a pirate uh melissa b fierce was a vampire coco kane was a mummy and victoria elizabeth black was a pumpkin but she did this whole pumpkin head and then had this kind of 50s style dress but at, it was all like pumpkin guts hanging off of it it was just stunning um so within the span of like five minutes or less went from full zombie to full pumpkin and then took all of that off and was in gorgeous beauty makeup uh and you know blood spatter just absolutely stunning for her next performance and we didn't even take into consideration her um meet and greet look which was beauty makeup so she went from beauty makeup to yeah. full-on zombie prosthetics <clears throat> to full-on pumpkin head realness to gorgeous beauty bloody makeup like i was just i was just it was a lot i just it I, was a lot I also really and... dug hoso's look at the at the uh photo op with the tongue hanging out the like little devil akuma look i liked it but yeah so long story short the whole performance was just fantastic it was like last year on steroids um you know going from this this club environment to a seated environment they were able to do a little bit more they had more stage space they were able to um 
And obviously, you know, again, kind of like the show, going from season one on YouTube to season four and beyond on Shudder, you know, you have more money, you're able to do more things, you have more props, you're able to put on more of a show. Like, it was just, it was just so good. Because last year, the intermission was them doing the podcast, and this year, they got to do it prior, so I thought that was much better. And the smaller, more intimate... Uh, closeness of the uh, of this venue was I thought better uh, and even the, the folks that we talked to it's like oh my god sitting down is so much better than this standing room you only know, not only that regardless of where you were you could see so in a seat you know a seated venue it's made it's built so that you can see regardless of where you are drinks we you know, drinks. Yeah, yeah, and there was a wait. There was wait staff, and they were bringing us drinks. We didn't have to wait in line for anything. It was just that was fabulous too. Um, but you know, whereas last year it was in a club, you're standing, you're, you know, fighting for space to be able to see. I mean, luckily where we were, we could see just fine. But you know, there are other places where you stand, depending on how tall you are, you're not going to be able to see as well. So this type of environment, I feel like you really get your money's worth because regardless of where you, I mean, you know, you're sitting up in the balcony, you're going to be able to see everything. Yeah. And it, and at different angles right you know you're sitting up front you're going to be able to have like that interaction and we were kind of like below stage level like the stage was slightly higher than where our seats were so like we were look we were looking up at all the performers whereas you know if you're in the balcony section you're looking down you're getting like the whole stage so it's it was different perspectives than because that's kind of like how our our spot was last year like we were up you know, at a raised, uh, an elevated area, and we were kind of looking down towards, but we were about a 60, 70 feet away from stage. But whereas this, we were less than 10 feet, I'd say. Yeah, we were close. So it was I think, great. I think that's a pretty good uh, spot to take a quick break. So we're going to come back. We have battle results. We do, because we've been going for close for two hours at this point, and we do need to sleep at, at, at some point. Yeah, I'll sleep and I'm dead. That's not how sleep works. Um, but uh, yeah, so we'll take a quick break, and uh, yeah, we'll be right back. Shark Bites, Shark Bites Podcast, it's the greatest show in history, from the Dorkening Network, hosted by a nerd who's named Patsy. From movie reviews to tips on surviving the coronavirus, Shark Bites has it all. Follow us on Facebook and suggest topics at sharkbitespod at gmail.com. Available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts.
Welcome back. That was uh, Time to Die, which is, what is what is that uh, specifically from? Well, so it is from the show, uh, but it is also from the Boulay Brothers EP, Time to Die. Ah, uh, yes. And that was uh, Drax's lovely voice that you got to hear there. Very distinct, uh, but I really dug that song, so I'm glad we uh, chose to pick that one. Um because that was your choice, because we're like, all right, what other rejoinder are we going to use? So we have battle results. What do you got? Yeah, so last week we threw down the unbearable weight of massive body fat, Battle of the Bare Necessities, which fictional furry fiend has what it takes to best their opponents and be the last bear standing. The sandbox was Jellystone National Park, and the special guest referee was legendary college football coach Bear Bryant. You could choose from The Bear from Cocaine Bear, The Bear from The Revenant, Winnie the Pooh from Winnie the Pooh Blood and Honey, the bear from Grizzly, or the Coca-Cola polar bear. And we did have a couple of write-in votes, uh, including from our buddy Sam, who said we forgot bear bong. Bear, if you give a bear a bong, but he would be too relaxed. Well, I mean, and laid back. Yes, yeah. So he said you forgot to include the most important bear of all, and to. Be completely honest, we just couldn't do that to the poor guy. We love him too much. We wouldn't want to see him ripped to shreds. Or maybe, just maybe, he would have surprised us and just completely obliterated everybody else. Like maybe, maybe his weed was cut with a little something. Maybe it was tainted. Maybe he got pissed off because people were trying to harsh his mellow and ruin his good time. I mean, I just, I just feel like it would have been an unfair fight. Yeah, either way, uh, we didn't want him involved. Um, I'm sure, though, there will be a battle at some point where he will fit perfectly. Oh, yes. But um, surprise or no surprise, the bear from Cocaine Bear was your choice. Yeah, I'm not I'm not uh, I'm not surprised at all. Like that's that's uh, completely within the wheelhouse. I personally took the bear from Grizzly because he was like 20 feet tall. Um, you know, that was that was my pick because of how big he was. But we like, want to thank all of you for voting. We yes. appreciate it when you do that. We love uh, when people interact and, you know, make our, our jobs just that much easier. Uh, we love uh, fan interaction. Uh, so what do we got coming up? We got we got some stuff coming up. Um, yeah. So next week, I'm pretty sure we're going to be talking about John Wick, yep. revisiting that character. We are finally going to see the fourth installment, so we'll be able to do a more comprehensive dive into that character. Yeah, we're doing a triple feature this weekend with Renfield, uh, John Wick, and uh, Evil Dead Rise. So. Uh, Definitely stay tuned for that. That'll be a really fun oh, that's episode. That's going to be so much fun. And next Thursday, I will be joining the Retro Redoctopus guys for their live 100th episode extravaganza. So I don't have links yet. I'm sure once I get those, I will absolutely provide those on the social medias. So stay tuned. But it is next Thursday, April 27th. Eight. 
Oh, yeah, 20. Yeah, I'm looking at the De- date on the computer because... Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Behind the it microphone. Is April 27th at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Yes. Again, I will be posting links to that. It's going to be fun. We're going to be talking about our first fandoms. And it's in 2023, uh, April 2023. I knew I would get the year right. Congratulations. <laughs> you did something. Yeah, you did. You did something. I did. Um, so definitely stay tuned uh, for that. That's going to be a really fun episode. And they have so many great guests joining them, too, for that episode. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm totally honored that they asked me to uh, participate and talk about some of my first fandoms, which are um, pretty interesting. A little embarrassing, but... Uh, hey, you like what you like. You know, you got to start somewhere. So, yeah. Uh, but I think that's it, unless you have something. No, I have sleeping ready to... Oh, to, oh. Oh, oh. Before, keeping up with, you know, the theme for the day, uh, there is something fantastic coming up. It's called the Drag Isn't Dangerous Telethon. It is going to be live on the interwebs. Uh, Tickets are 20 bucks and you have 48 hours after it airs to watch it. So it happens May 7th at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, the cast that they have booked so far, uh, Boulet Brothers, RuPaul Girls, uh, comedians, so many different performers wanting to help out. And the proceeds are going to LGBTQ charities, including the Drag ACLU Defense Fund. Which is awesome. And we actually got uh, stickers for this event in with our uh, our like swag bags that we got for the VIP. So uh, we will weekend. be uh, including the all of the information and stuff like that in the show notes. So if you're interested, either find the show notes or you can just Google drag isn't dangerous and it'll pop up with the telethon information. But uh, that's really awesome. I love that they're doing this and I love that so many people are willing to donate their time. Nobody's taking a paycheck from this. Everyone is donating, you know, what they would have earned, their proceeds, whatnot, to these funds, these charities, uh, to hopefully make a difference and to, you know, provide information and to help out those who are affected by everything that's happening right now. Because again, like we said earlier in the episode, it's stupid and it's not fair and people should just be able to live their life and be their true authentic selves. So I think with that being said, we will see see you next next Thursday. Thursday.